Justin, when I sent out a note saying that you were available this week, Clay wrote back and goes, didn't we just do that show with Justin? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure we did. (laughs) Pretty sure we did that. He was like, JR and I did it. And I went back and looked. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I was on that show. (laughs) So, Matt, how does it make you feel that I remembered everything about the show except your entire presence? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair... uh, Justin has now been on the show nearly as much as I have. (laughs) Good milestone. Welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. This is episode number 238. I'm J.R. Foresteros. I'm Kathy Kong. I'm Matt Prey, sometimes a lot of and I'm Clay Morgan. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to be talking with author, speaker, pastor, podcaster, storyteller, musician, etc. Justin McRoberts. Uh, his new book is called May It Be So, 40 Days with the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to argue about prayer. But first, I have a story that I want to give you, and I want you to tell me if you think it's real or fake. Uh... An article came out of Spain this week that two altar boys were arrested for putting half a kilo of marijuana into the censers at church, at mass. And uh, that's like where they burn incense, right? Where they burn incense, right? So uh, several of the uh, several of the congregants noticed a weird smell. One of them said she didn't recognize it, but her son's room smelled like that sometimes and it made her suspicious. I thought it was totally real until I got to that part. I was like, wait a second. What is this site? Yeah, this is from a site. It's been going around the internet this week, and people think it's true, but it, it it's from a basically the Spanish version of The Onion. How do people so, feel about the service? A lot of people said that uh, they really were coming to appreciate high church a lot more. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it says something like half a kilo. Half a kilo. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. How in the world? What does that even mean How in, the world? in Two American boys weight? Get. That's 47 pounds in American. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> kids would not. Kids would not. Uh, even for a prank, I they'd mean, have to be you know, really how rich. much is that worth? Was that was that skunk weed or was that like a really nice blend? Like we just don't know. Yeah. So, well, it was. Well, you never know, do you? Once it was anointed, it had to go up in value. Uh, that's true. Yeah. So when you smoke the marijuana in church, does it actually become Jesus's body? Mm. Oh no! What? No. <laughs> that's, that's not, not even part a thing. of it. That's not. Oh, we think it just—it just reminds. That's not us. how oh, it works. Is just a give a sweet smell to the Lord or something. I mean, sacramentally, which, this could turn around some of the, you know, trends. Marijuana is the worst smelling plant that you can burn. I think not. Not at all true. Yeah, it false. smells so gross. Just like straight up leaves are way worse. No way. I I don't like the smell of marijuana. Marijuana smells like someone murdered a skunk. Yeah. Okay. When I was in Boy Scouts, (laughs) like we would prank other campsites by just throwing leaves on their fire because the smell is just terrible. Again, marijuana is not great. Were they marijuana leaves? (laughs) No. They were just. They were probably. Look, I wasn't an Eagle Scout, right? But they were probably oak leaves or something like that. Well, there you go. If you were really mean, you threw poison ivy on because that smoke would make you itch. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. I wonder I wonder if that church has potluck 
dinners. Oh, hey, oh man. There have been a lot of puns lately on this show. It's really bad. <laughs> I sent that to one of my friends that goes to Catalyst, and I said, this is why we don't use incense at church, and he laughed real hard. Oh, that's great. Did I tell you all? I don't know if you saw this on my social media, but like, I don't even, it's probably been th- two or three years ago now. We walked out of church and there was a giant bag of, like a plastic baggie of marijuana, <laughs> like a gallon sized bag of marijuana laying near the dumpster. That is a sign that you're doing church right. Yeah. We were just like, oh, okay. What is the story here? Did someone, was someone trying to ditch it in the dumpster and then church let out and they just like dropped it and ran? Was someone on their way in and felt convicted and dropped it near the dump? We didn't, you know, so. I like how you're pretending you don't know how it got there. (laughs) I think it would have been better if it was in the offering plate. Yeah. (laughs) Lord. Well, we don't, we don't pass offering plates at Catalyst. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we have like six cops that attend Catalyst. So they were, they were able to handle it they were sniffing just, around so. it yeah yeah yep so yeah i don't know there you go pot and church well we have a we have a really interesting show today it goes a little long because we got pretty into the conversation but i think you guys are gonna like it it was justin and i's first fight and uh i think we're gonna be okay you were very polite in your fight i was <laughs> waiting I for the night it was that much of a fight i know you guys i was like it was a it was a theology class fight no way. <laughs> Those are way meaner. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, let's uh, let's get over to our interview with Justin. Justin McRoberts, welcome back to the Fascinating Podcast. Uh, thanks for being back with us today. Happy to do it, man. It was it feels like yesterday. It it nearly <laughs> was. Uh, you have you have a second prayer book uh, out. And uh, so, yeah, what what other than prayer, since we're going to be talking about prayer a lot today, what other than prayer has been fascinating you lately? Uh, 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 Lisa Gunger just dropped this video. Uh, oh, yes. About. I haven't seen it. So Lisa Gunger, her name is not Lisa anymore. It's something else. So formerly, the artist formerly known as Lisa Gunger, oh. who's in a band formerly known as Gunger, who's formerly part of the Christian uh, marketplace, which is formerly relevant. Um, uh, <laughs> which was formerly a magazine formerly that was formerly magazine, run by Cameron Strang. Right, who was formerly the president and formerly apparently had massive issues about leadership and race. Um, <laughs> she dropped this video. Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I can't honestly tell because I haven't paid really close attention to the lyrics, but it's about femininity in general. And she contacted a good friend friend of hers who's non-binary to do this whole kind of gender reveal thing over the course of the video it's about femininity and he uh uh I, I, you can, anyways i want it's a fascinating video and and mostly because of the corner of culture she takes up and like the bridge that she and M- michael who <laughs> the artist form the husband formerly known as michael uh are taking in terms of like storytelling and culture and religion and identity it's a it's it's a fascinating wow. video and it's and it's a fascinating turn to take for her as an artist to kind of i don't know kind of posit this there's just a weird authority that you kind of come to the table with when you like make a video that's like, hey, gender reveal thing with this adult male who's non-binary, and that's almost entirely what the video was about. That's fascinating to me. 
Justin, I'm curious. You're you're also in like you're a professional musician, and among many other hats that you wear, but because y- y'all are sort of at least loosely in the same network, does does that does that feel any different to you than like if I'm just going to sit there and watch it? Um, Is there a different conversation that that comes about for you? Maybe, probably not. I mean, I'm probably I'm probably more of a fan than I am a musician when it comes to music. To be totally honest with you, um, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a like. I don't know, like I've met some of these folks in some contexts. And so there's a little bit more of a the kind of a process orientation to the conversation, but not really. I mean, it's still, you know, what is this, what is this doing in culture? What is this doing the hearts and the minds of the people who are paying attention to it? And what was, what is, and are the artists who are doing it thinking? I mean, it's really all the same basic kind of engagement with the thing. Okay. What was, I didn't hear about Lisa changing her name. Is that part of the well, gender was, conversation I, or something? No, else? I think they had like, they had some sort of an awakening type thing <laughs> with, I, I don't remember uh, Ram Dass. I think they, they became disciples of Ram Dass in some way, shape or form. Oh. I honestly don't really know. Um, but in the, like, her video title, I could, I could look up the thing. Um, like it's not under Lisa Gunger. It's under like Issa something else. And I don't really know. Hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe she didn't, or maybe I don't really know. So it, it seemed like she changed your name. Cause I know Michael did to, to do something. He's something else now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had a, I had a good friend from high school who changed his name uh, as part of his deconversion from Christianity. Like he had a yes. very kind of Christian name. Uh, and so he changed it, which I thought he had just changed it for like privacy on Facebook kind of thing. Uh-huh. But I reached, I was texting with him and I used his old name and he was like, Hey man, that's not my name anymore. It was really interesting. Like the kind of the significance of the name, uh, for people in different yeah. processes. Yeah. And I get it, especially, I mean, especially if you're someone who, I mean, if you're Michael Gunger or Lisa Gunger, you're so your name Gunger, I mean, you named your band after yourself and all that. So yeah. your name is so tied to the culture you were serving slash benefiting from. So that if you want to divorce yourself from that culture, I kind of get to some degree that you want to actually be someone else in some way, shape or form and honestly communicate. I'm not who I was. And uh, that's probably harder. Um, to like stay named who you were. I, I, and again, I've never been there. I've always just been Justin McRoberts and it's, you know, that's not, <laughs> I, kind of, I don't have a, I don't have a band named McRoberts somewhere to divorce myself from. <laughs> that we know of. That we you know, know of. Underground bands. Right. Although if I did have an, have an underground band, I probably shouldn't name it my last name. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, what would you, Okay. What would your underground band be? Like, what kind of music would you like to secretly play? Uh, you mean like a name or like a kind of a band? No, no. Yeah. What kind of, like, would you be doing electronica or something? Like, what would you be oh, doing? Oh, gosh. If I did something underground, I think, yeah, it would probably be like drone. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like drone or like, like something. In, yeah. Yeah. It would be like drone. Just like, sing, like long single notes. Uh, like four and a half minutes. Uh, Amazing. amazing that would be incredible i'm in that's a great and you call it mcroberts and then tell everyone it's not your name (laughs) right that's not my name 
<laughs> Don't call me that. It's my band. <laughs> well, I can't wait to check out this video uh, because I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I've never really followed Gunger. Uh, uh, I don't listen to liturgists or anything, but I'm, I'm very curious now that you're fascinated by it enough to bring it up. So I can't wait to yeah, see what all the hubbub is about. I'm looking at right now. It's like, it's, it's, I think the one, uh, the, the song is called Woman. And um, when you get to the, the YouTube uh, when you get to YouTube, it's it's woman by Isa Ma, I S A M A, and so I think huh. she changed her name the way Michael did because Michael's name is now something else. Anyways, all that to say, it's fascinating. It's a, it's like it's an enjoyable song, but more so like it's it's very like le- like here's a lesson, like a cultural lesson. Yeah, like that's the feeling of the of the thing. Are you suggesting that some people write music to communicate messages rather than focus on the art? I feel like that's what's going on here. Uh, and, uh, and that's, and I'll be hundred percent honest. That's part of what's fascinating to me about it is like, um, yeah, I don't know. Like who gets to tell that story? Like is, is yeah. like specifically when it comes to like, you know, the non-binary, uh, journey in life, like who gets to tell that story, which is probably mm. why she invited someone because you know, maybe does Lisa consider herself non-binary? I think she doesn't, but she invited someone who is. But somehow that's not using someone to prop up your thing. Is like, is that not? I mean, is like that. Anyway, it's like the virtue signaling kind of thing. Is that what that is? Like, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Wow. I can't tell. Well, I don't think so. I mean, so I follow Kevin Garcia, who is the one. Um, They are the ones featured in the video. And I think it was just yesterday, Kevin was on Twitter. Talking about it. That's how I learned Yeah, talking about it and saying it was the one time where he just, they just felt so natural Hmm. in that uh, the putting on of the dress and the makeup. Right. and, And a full expression of who they feel like they are. And so, and I will say as, (laughs) as the one non white male on this podcast, Hey, Hey, just pointing out something (laughs) that listeners may not have figured out (laughs) that, (laughs) that we know when we're being used as tokens and so, uh, and we walk into those spaces fairly aware of the cost and the consequences and, and what all that entails. And so I really appreciated Kevin going out there on Twitter and saying, hey, this is, this is what it was like to be invited into this project to talk about her vision, Lisa's vision for this, and how for Kevin it felt like it was not... Sure. They you weren't know, being was, exploided. No, yeah. not at all. No, and and that, so the way I came about it is I saw, I saw the conversation, like a bunch of folks uh, chatting about Kevin's posts. So I read Kevin's post, which is how I came to the knowledge of the video. And that that's part of what I mean by fascinating is like, how, like the, what is the actual? Di- is it just a matter of relationship? Is uh, like like how when you talk about like you know we know we're not being exploited? I totally get that. I'm fascinated by how that comes to be the case. Like, mm-hmm. like what was the metric? Was there a particular metric? Was there a particular setup? I'm sure, you know, there's probably 10 levels to the story. I don't know, or layers to the story. I don't know. But when, 
because the topic, not the topic, because the execution of everything like that is so freaking delicate. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen that someone does not feel like there's any form of exploitation happening? I don't, and I, and I don't really know. So I'm really, I'm really cautious about it. Like when I have not, you know, when I have non-white guests and non-male guests on my podcast, I'm, I'm like, I have rightfully so like some legitimate hesitations about like, I want to make sure this doesn't come off like here's the white podcast guy having, you know, women and non-binary and non-white people on the podcast is a way to prop up and virtue signal. Cause it's like, I get ac- accused of that garbage all the time. Well, you know, it's really hard to find <laughs> white male podcasters. We've tried to counterbalance that Justin <laughs> by having three white men consistently on our podcast. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Like it. Yeah. It's more traditional. It. I mean, sin bo- also sin boldly, I think is how Luther put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, one more super important question uh, before we transition into talking about your book. Um, you said this song is called woman. I have not heard the song yet. Yeah. Is it better or worse than Kesha's song woman on her most recent record? You know what? I actually like Kesha's record. So I, I do too. I, I, so, um, it's, it is a completely different thing. Uh, is they are, they are equal. They are differently good. Um, yeah, there you go. That's it. They are differently good, but it's Kesha, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, Kesha changed her name too. Um, that's true. She took true. the dollar sign out and replaced it with an S. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so edgy it is oh man hey uh that was really interesting we're also going to talk about the lord's prayer today <laughs> yeah that was which, a that was a seamless segue no <laughs> there are some interesting connections i think like okay, even good. the uh let you know hallowed be thy name there i think there's something there. oh um yeah. Hey, let's, uh, I thought it'd be fun without any preamble or planning or talking about how or how much, you know, the Lord's prayer. I thought it'd be fun for us to like say it together and, and then discuss it. How do you guys feel about that? Okay. Yeah. I right, mean, I've not heard the Lord's prayer <clears throat> characterized as fun being its defining attribute, but. Oh, well, I mean, you got to read the verses before and after that. That's where <laughs> Jesus says, do this and thou shalt have much fun. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's right there in, in the Bible. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Are you going to count us down or what's happening? No, I mean, I, I, is that traditional in your uh, faith background? No, That's what fine. happens typically is someone prays and then at the end of the prayer, instead of saying, in Jesus' name, amen, they say, thought, and now we pray. You were from like a Monty Python kind of tradition, you know? No, like, uh, you just heard me five, say, nor is it two, six. one. Yeah, I need it. I think I, I, I need it so badly in the next service. But, I, I do. But, but one, where's three, the screen? five. Where's Too the screen sure. with the words on it? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll just start us. How about that? Okay, let's go. Uh, Our Father, Father who art in heaven, heaven then hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, come, and thy will, thy will be, be done, done on earth as it is, is in heaven. heaven. Give, Give us this day our daily bread, bread and, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. pass against us. And lead, and lead us, us not, lead us not, us not into temptation, but deliver us, us from, from evil. evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the, power and the glory, and the glory forever. forever. Amen. 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 That went really well. Amen. I thought so too. Amen. Amen. So, so I'm curious, like for everyone 
here. Is is this something that's part of your growing up? Like, what is your attachment to this? Was this something like if you were a part of church as a kid that you like, do you remember learning this? Tell me a little bit about your history with this prayer. I had to learn it in two languages. Oh, yep. So would you, would you recite it in two languages at the same church or, or you were in different settings? Like what? In the same church. So growing up in the Korean immigrant church, we needed to learn it in our mother tongue Mm -hmm. and in English. So uh, that never really helped me when I visited Awana with <laughs> my <laughs> friends. Oh, um, you didn't get any Awana bucks for saying I it in Korean. I didn't get any sword points or whatever. I don't Aww. remember. I just only went a few times and was like, "What is this?" Uh, yeah, so I had to learn it in both languages, which helped me understand the meaning of the prayer. So at that time, definitely my brain was a little more wired to have both languages kind of running through my head. Mm. It's been a long time. And then I actually went back just a week ago to look up the Lord's Prayer in Korean. So I have the ability to read like a third grader in Mm -hmm. Hangul and noticed that there is a more modern version Hmm. of the Lord's Prayer. So I'm thinking Hmm. that I must have learned like the Korean King James version (laughs) of the Lord's Prayer. And so there's a more modern... That was what I wanted to ask. Like, is there, when, when, when the scripture was translated for Koreans, what, like what, uh, yeah, like what time period of language was used? Yeah. So I, I am not sure. I don't know enough about those the Korean translations, and then I'm only guessing that it was translated into Korean from the English, not from... Oh. Right? Right. That's my guess, but I don't know. So if there are any Korean biblical scholars out there listening randomly and know, please let us know. Hmm. So that that oh. is my guess, right? So that it's translated first into English, but I could totally be wrong. Um, so I looked up a newer version and went, oh, I don't, I don't know this version. Mm. And like so, you don't know it as in you didn't even know some of the words that were being used or yes, it just didn't sound yes, right to you. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's just a more informal wording of the prayer. And so my parents right now are in Korea, so I can't ask them, but when they get back, it will be one of my first questions <laughs> around, uh, translation and version what they still use or what they currently use at their church. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I don't, I don't remember ever learning this prayer. It's kind of like two plus two equals four. Like it's just something Mm. so far as I know, I've always known. Yep. Um, And I think that's, that's like a weird thing when you have these memorized scripts. Um, And I would say over time, like in the recent history, like the last 10 years, it's becoming really meaningful to me, kind of like because of what you're talking about, Kathy, that mm-hmm. when I pray that prayer, I know there are people in Korea praying essentially the same prayer, you yes. know, on the same day uh, or in Africa or in like literally all over the world. There are people praying this prayer and there's a feeling of like connection for me, I think, in that. 
um, that is kind of weird with a, uh, well, I mean, kind of weird for me as someone who grew up in a Protestant church. I think it's mm. probably more common in your more formal church settings, uh, like liturgical church. But yeah, that, that's, that's where it is for me. Um, my grandparents were both, both sets of my grandparents, uh, United Methodist and I grew up Southern Baptist. So when I would go to my grandparents' house and go to church with them, they said, uh, the Lord's prayer in their liturgy. So every, every service, yeah, every Sunday. Right. So, so it was a thing that I learned as a part of, and it was interesting because like we learned about it in our Baptist Sunday school. And I'm pretty sure I actually memorized it in King James English as a part of some Awanas ish, like kids program, you know, and I got, I probably got a sticker or something for memorizing it, but it was not part of worship except when I went to visit my grandparents. Um, and, and so I would say like, I would argue that I didn't really learn it in English because I didn't, I didn't understand any of the words. I still, I would still argue that most English speakers who know the prayer that we just prayed together really don't understand at least a good 25% of it Hmm. and couldn't, couldn't articulate what they're actually asking for when they're praying those things. Yeah, I'd love, um, I'd love to know when you say don't understand. That's that's part of what I'd, I'd love to talk about a little bit. It's like what yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you mean necessarily. But I don't understand it. Uh, okay, so I'm praying. That means I'm having a conversation with God. When I say "Hallowed be Thy name," what does that mean? Yeah, well, that that is that is functionally a foreign language. I think for the vast majority of English speaking Christians that I know, myself included. Yeah. Okay, I hear that. When I, when we say the kingdom and the uh, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, what what are we actually saying there? That's good. Like, yeah, does that I, have meaning for me? Yeah. So, yeah. so much so much read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Clay, what was your what was your experience with that prayer? Um, well, same as you, uh, from you know Christian school to church three times a week minimum to nonstop Bible classes. I don't ever remember learning it. It was just always there. Um, it's funny. I always hesitate. <laughs> I can never remember like the last clause or phrase that kicks in. Um, it's like this weird block I have, but I mean, if I'm honest, I have zero emotional connection to it yeah. throughout my whole yeah. life. I've always, um, I have, I have a problem with liturgy. I have a problem mm. with formula, formulaic worship of any kind. Um, mm. You just don't feel a connection to it. No. And, and yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean that I haven't had in moments of study, like interest around the question that prompted it or the teaching that prompted it. Or like, I love, you know, that Jesus said this and this is, you know, an amazing yeah. thing. But to me, it's like it's like the Apostles' Creed. It's like any call and response. I've never enjoyed any of that. So the only feeling I get is like, mm-hmm. just why are we doing this? And and it just it, it's just a thing with me. Yeah. And the Lord's Prayer isn't like I don't want to say like I discount it, but like when I am in a body of people, in particular, in this case, you know, religious believers. And I am asked or prompted to, you know, chant something or to recite something for whatever reason, that's never been enjoyable to me at best. And sometimes it Mm -hmm. just annoys me 
and I don't know if that's a personal, <laughs> that's a personal thing, but I mean, if I'm being honest, no, no, no. Um, that's just I kind of, that's that, le- I think that's legit. hundred percent. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, Justin, what about you? I mean, obviously you, you've just written a book, you know, may it be so 40 days with the Lord's prayer. So obviously there's some connection there for you, but what was, yeah. what's your like experience growing up or. I think it's the most important thing someone can learn and do in prayer. And if you're not getting it or getting it right, then you should really get it. You know, no, I, that, that you're probably not a follower <laughs> of Jesus. Yeah. It's very, I mean, question everything. Um, like uh, similar to you and the clay, like it, it's never been like, it's been around. It was on, you know, I've seen it on, it's, you know, I've seen it on posters. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't grow up around religion for the most part around like the practice of religion say for the most part. And so like, you know, my mom who'd grown up Catholic and put her religion on the back burner when she married my dad, there was a poster like of some sort of writing of, uh, there are two prayers in the house and the one was the Lord's prayer. Someone, the other was this like parent's prayer. It's actually beautiful, but it was like, it was around. And, um, and part of what I wanted to, part of why I wanted to do the book is for that reason. It's like, and be, because, and I think, I think Jerry might've even said it, like the, a lot of prayer, I think happens that way. It's like, a, it's a thing that's happening. I don't feel a particular connection with it. It's a thing that I'm doing. Um, I don't know what it is that I'm saying. And then like the other side of that is it, that's, which is why I asked the question, like, what do you mean by you don't know what you're saying? Like oftentimes, especially with a prayer like this, like the question ends up being like, well, do you know what, do you know what the word hallowed means? And do you know what Jesus meant when he said this word and, and it's Greek roots, et cetera. And I think that's one, like, that's one way to approach it is like, you know, which is normally what we do with the Bible is like, what's the, what's the word and the context? And then how do you take the other question is like, what is this, what is this doing in you? Like, what does this prayer do in you? So what does the word hallowed do in you? What is the idea of daily bread do in you as a person? And that's what I wanted to do with the book. It's like, is not move away from, cause I don't care. Like I do care like what the actual word was for, you know, for hallowed, what it's cause it been hallowed that matters. But what the other, and an other thing that matters is when I pray our father, well, I just said father out loud and I said our out loud. And what's that do in your psychology? And maybe part of the reason we disassociate ourselves with certain words is because there's like, there's stuff going on in me or around me that like, I don't want to pray our, and I don't want to pray father. And so I like I'll walk through this thing with the room of people who are doing it, but I'm not going to emotionally or spiritually or socially connect with it. So that's part I want to do with it is like, what, what do these words actually do in a person who prays them rather than what do they mean in the original blah, 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 blah. That's fine. It's just not what I do. Well, it's, it's really interesting to the original blah, blah, blah piece, because if you look at, <laughs> if you look at it in the Greek, um, the, <laughs> There is this weird Does thing it that it, blah, it like blah, blah. rhymes. There's like, there's pieces that are very clearly poetic invention, mm-hmm. right? And the way that it's written and Jesus almost certainly did not teach it in Greek, which means right. that this is a translation of what he originally said, which yep. I'm like, oh man, what was the, what did he, what was the actual word for word yep. on this? Uh, could be man, really fascinating. Um, so, well, and Justin, one thing I appreciate about the book is I feel like I, I would go into each section. So the way it works is there's, there's a prayer for each day and it's like a sentence. And then mm-hmm. as we get to each different sort of phrase of the prayer, Justin shares like a story 
or something that's happened to him, like a reflection almost that's several pages. Mm -hmm. Uh, and one of the things I love Justin is that none of your reflections were what I expected them to be. Like I was reading the story going like, okay, this is not, it, it just wasn't the straightforward exact story that I've heard like 800 times that someone else has said. It was something that was yeah. slightly like a step off from that, which yeah. made me actually have to engage in a different way. And like, okay, what is Justin really saying here? Not like, oh, Justin's saying the thing I've heard a hundred times. So right. I really appreciated that. I'm glad because almost all of the one-star reviews that we that we have are from people who are like, this doesn't say what we thought it was supposed to <laughs> about this particular word. And so therefore one star that's <laughs> um was legitimate it's actually true which is fine like i totally get it but on like legitimately almost every single review is like this did not have the things in it that i wanted to or expected to have in it i was like right right i know <laughs> like because there are How? 700 of those books and all of them are really good but let's do something different so how like how conscious was that for you when you sat down to severely to inhabit this? Did you was your first impulse the seven hundred books that are already out there and you had to like sit longer with it or what what happened there uh, or are you so, just weird? No, well <laughs> we can do both things. So uh, the, what, why does it have to be one or the other? It doesn't. Why not both? Right. Yes. If we're going to do the whole non-binary thing in the beginning of conversation, when like non-binary theology. So all comes back around. It all comes back around. So part of the intention and the application and the result of the original book was um, this. So a short prayer of, you know, like a tweetable length. Uh, the reason, the way that can be enough for a one day or that like a single image can be enough for one day is because the question we're asking with the book is what's going on in you as a person? That was the question. So what, like, so prayer, an aspect or an element of prayer is like what's actually happening already in you and through and around you as a person. So let's use these words and these images to, to excavate what's happening in your soul. That's, that's the avenue and direction we're taking with, or, or we're the, the, that's the way we're approaching the practice of prayer originally with the first book, Prayer 40 Years of Practice. And so I wanted to approach this very well-known, maybe overly well-known prayer mm -hmm. that Jesus offered because the other side of the coin here is like, if you're going to talk about prayer in the Christian context, like what did Jesus say about prayer specifically? And there aren't a whole lot of spaces in which Jesus actually teaches about prayer. Like you see Jesus go right. and you can glean some wisdom from like, well, he leaves when things get bananas or like he does it really early in the morning, but not always in the way he prays, but he doesn't teach about prayer the way he teaches about money or what have you. So like one of the, one of the very few spaces is when these adult, <laughs> adult men who've been around religion their whole lives, who've been around prayer the whole lives, look at Jesus and after, you know, two and a half or so years and watching him pray. And they're like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> you talk to us like tell how do we how do we do this how do we pray and it's and i'm and i love the way matt brought it to the table like i don't know exactly how jesus answered the question i don't and what i what, like what we know is he handed them some kind of a prayer like a prayer 
And as a way to, I would suggest like give them a starting point, kind of like a renewal. And it wasn't gonna be like, here's the magic words per se, which is part of why like, like how important is it that I know what the exact words are? I don't know how important that is because like, I don't think that's what he was after. I I don't think it was a matter of like, here are the exact words you need to pray in order to do this right. But it was more of like, how do you reapproach prayer? And I think that's what Jesus offers is a different starting point. So... Um, I wanted to right. approach prayer from that perspective. Is like, what what does this prayer, this little prayer gift that Jesus gave, what does this prayer do in the hearts and the minds of people who read it? The best way I could do that is to say, here's here's seven movements. The words "Our and Father." What does that do in me as as I pray it? And so I just kind of bear witness through the course of the book, of like what "Our Father" means to me, what power and glory is, what evil means me and my experience of it in the world. Uh, so I, I definitely, I want to be clear about kind of my pushback on the prayer. I, I don't think it's like a magic spell that if we say these words in the right way, like right. things happen in the world, but you know, we, we fascinating podcast just did an episode on Christian jargon. And mm-hmm. so like back to something like hallowed be thy name. Like again, yeah, we don't know the Aramaic that Jesus used. There's probably 15 different metaphors we could use to get at what was going on there. Yep. But like, how important is it when I'm praying that I under, or let me, let me, let me ask it this way. You know, Kathy could lead us in her memorized Korean yeah. version of the Lord's prayer. I don't know Korean. So is it, is it important for me to be able to understand the words of the prayer that I'm praying? I think it can be. I think, and again, I think that's one. In, in, so I think it can be, and it should be in some context in the same way as like, there are different ways to, to read the Bible. There are different ways to engage in the Bible. You can like sit down and go like straight Tim Keller and like, this is what this means. This is what's going on. Here's the historical context. Here's the word. And, that's fine. That's more than fine. That's good. It's true and necessary. There's also a practice called Lectio Divina, which some I'm sure you guys have done, where you take a particular like set of lines from a psalm or from bit some some section of scripture, and you read them once, and then you sit with it for a second, and then you read it a second time, and you pay attention to what the word like or phrase, if there's a word or phrase that jumps out at you from that section, and then you sit with that for a moment, then you read it a third time. And after the third time, maybe you write journal, this is what that's doing in me. And then you kind of translate from that, like, what does that have to do with my life? That's another way to engage in scripture. So is it important to know the words I'm praying? Yeah, I think that's, that is important. The other side of the coin is like, you know, sometimes if I'm, if it's all about understanding, then prayer becomes a form of control. And that's not healthy long-term either. Yeah. I guess what I'm thinking is like, there's a spectrum, right? Because I can't do Lectio Divina with a Spanish Bible. I don't know. Cause I don't know. Spanish. I actually don't know that you can't. Uh, I think it's diff- very different. I, I mean, again, in this, like I think on that spectrum, depending on how familiar you are with Spanish. Yeah. Maybe that's completely. But I'm saying like, I, I have, I have what we call in Texas restaurant Spanish. Right. Right. Like I can, I can find a baño and order a taco and that's a, Bit, like barely, and that's it. Right. right? But so, like I, I start- so what I would say is if you're in a room, let's say you're in a room of Spanish speakers, like if you're, if you're in a Spanish speaking church and they walk through, a, a, you know, if they do some sort of Lectio, 
I don't know. Is there like what happens in your soul as you're in a room of people who are reading the scripture aloud in Spanish? I think that's a great question. I think that's a fascinating experience of uh, of spiritual practice. If that makes any sense, like oh yeah, it's a totally way to in language. That just still feels different to me than like a private, like a a more private practice where I don't like n- I don't know. Or again, I think in in your average congregation, I'm thinking of my congregation. Like I think if I said. What I just keep going back to how would be that name because I really got an axe to grind with this phrase. Like, <laughs> like no one understands what that means. Like, no one can, no one can articulate, and especially because Jesus said, "Don't like when he's telling them how to pray." He says, "Don't use flowery language. Just pray like this." So, like, the whole point is like, don't use this puffed up language that no one knows what it means just to sound holy. Not that that's what we're doing when we say how would be the name, but you know, like. It is this thing that has become a form that I would argue has become significantly more empty than it was when King James authorized it yeah, to be written. I think to some degree that's true. Like the other, the other take on that is there was a really specific culture that he was wanting them to divorce themselves from in order to feel important, be and feel more spiritually like socially connected to their own practice of faith. So I don't think it was just about like, hey, flowery language is bad because it's not really the way you talk. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be anti-poetic. Right. Right. I think right. he was really trying to move them away from like, it wasn't flowery for the sake of flowery. It was like, this is the way this is done over here. And just cause it's done that way over there, that doesn't mean that's the way you have to do it. I think that's as much what he was doing as like speaking to the particular uses of language. Cause at the other, because again, the other thing that does happen in study and in prayer and, and things like Lectio is that when you don't understand a thing and you continue to use it, maybe at some point you have to go figure that out and there's a kind of a research and an excavation you have to do in there as well. Um, well, and I, we are in the 21st century and we are looking at text um, and, and that phrase, hallowed be thy name, <laughs> is not the way we talk ever. Right. And so, I say it to my children. Do you? <laughs> They're like, you look at them name? and you're like, how would be Matt's name, name? children? <laughs> yes. And I, again, this is when video would be great to have <laughs> so the look the eye roll. on one of your, yes, one of your daughters oh, in you the background to see my going, hands what? Lifted high as I rebuked my children. <laughs> oh, that would be fabulous too. <laughs> <Even> better. <laughs> Great. That'd so be sorry, awesome. Kathy, so, I think it, yeah, so I think it's, it's remembering, um, and understanding what is what is our social location as we are reading this text that is so far removed yes. from what Jesus was saying at that time. Yeah. What, <laughs> what is being said here? We're kind of dancing around the yes. hallowed be thy name. What what exactly does that mean? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> honor. <laughs> I think so I I think of a reverence and an honoring. And a, and a knowing, um, and and I I for me it's because so much of my life is spent dancing between two languages, one that I do not have a firm grasp on, but is so critical mm-hmm. <laughs> to staying connected to my parents mm-hmm. and the the faith tradition that raised me. And, and so when I think of hallowed be thy name, I think of the kind of respect and um, 
a little a bit of fear and reverence, which I'm still working through, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also a familiarity around uh, not just God, but also around the elders of our church, hmm. if that makes sense. So, it's, what, what it's, does that mean? Um, so, so my parents would say kids these days, but they would also <laughs> say Americans, which for them translates into white people. Yeah. Uh, there is not a sense of respect and honoring for the elders. Yes. So growing up, I would hear things like, yeah, we would never put our elders in a nursing home. <laughs> right. Mm. That, that's, that's a very Western concept. And so this idea of the elders and God is never put away into this space that is not personal, even though it is completely revered and holy. I don't know if that makes sense. So, Kathy, when you yep. say this prayer, like part of what, yeah. let me see if I'm hearing you correctly, like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name for you. That's partly also tied in with your community, the elders, the church for you're me, in. Yes, yeah. for me that is. And and I that was never taught. So that was not part of the Sunday school, like this is why we say this and this is who you connect it to. But for me... I think of the people that I know, particularly in my faith community growing up. Uh, And and there is that reverence because for most of them, I actually don't know their names. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know their names. It it wasn't even, it might be chondosanim or moksanim, elder, pastor, um, samonim, pastor's wife. With a last name, You know maybe. their titles. Like I know their elders. title. Yeah. And then my parents and their friends were always someone's mother, someone's mm. father. Mm. And so there was this kind of mystery around name, yep. which again, for me, the English speaking side makes sense because God has so many names. Yeah. And that connection to God the Father is not the only connection that I make. It's probably See, the last I lo- one I want to make. The reason I loved it, I mean, this is what it, like that experience of a thing in real time in my in your life that is set aside and I mean it's special yes. and and it's, and it's special in a way that's like one, it's kind of untouchable, but then at the same time you also belong to that. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a part of what I go after, like this in the, in my reflection about the word. Cause like, I don't like, what does holiness mean? I don't freaking know. Like the, the <laughs> other, you know, the, the complete and total otherness of God is, you know, called Bart who the, wrote the whole thing about like God being holy other. I like, that's, that's a neat idea. I have no idea what that means for my life, but the reflect, my reflection is about having this 1974 autographed, uh, uh, baseball, but the, the autographed baseball, the 1974 Oakland athletics, which is the year I was born. They won a world series and like Reggie Jackson signed this freaking baseball. Every member. Well, I had that set aside in a piece of glass. Uh, and then my son <laughs> went and like took it and, <laughs> and, and, and replaced it with a baseball of his from one of his, from his first multi-hit game as a little leaguer. And all it said, instead of Reggie Jackson, uh, and where all the fingers was game ball ASA. And, <laughs> I love and, it. and, and my thing it. was like this sort of like, 
like he got it in a way that I think is a way more human understanding of like special and holiness, which is like, I get that this is special, but I'm also invited into it because the context of hallowed be thy name, it, it comes through our, we're in this together and then father. And I get, there's the truckload of, we don't even address it in the intro, like, but the parenthood of, of the divine. So we're in this together. We're in a family, by the way, the family you belong to is parented by like this holiness and, and you belong. And so this, your reflection here, like you have elders, you don't even know their name and they're very special and they're sort of set aside. Like, I think, again, that's the kind of thing I want I would like to see happen in the hearts and minds of people who are entering into this prayer is like, what, what is special in your life that you also feel a part of as opposed mm-hmm. to this weird, like, line that that theology puts between us and our engagement with the divine was like, I don't even know. I don't know what holiness means. So I don't even have a way to practice that in my life. Like, I love that. I love what you just did with that. Maybe I should write a book. I think you, you should, should write several books. <laughs> have you ever books, thought about that, Kathy? Kathy. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be really special if you would like use your voice for our benefit, Kathy. You think? But not just yeah. use it. Yeah. Like, raise no, it. I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah. Raise it. Use it. Um, can I say, you know, there's, I feel like when I've been praying lately and not, not saying praying the Lord's prayer, but just like coming to God with needs saying like financial needs, or there's like a mess right now going on where there's this website that's like trashing me all the time. Uh, and it's causing trouble. Like people are writing me, is this true? What's going on? Like all this stuff. And it's, you know, there's a lot of emotional weight to it and it's causing problems for some of my friends who work for the same organization, like this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm praying and my kids have just left the house, like all this, I'm like praying about all this stuff to the Lord. Oh, you know, what, can you help with this? Can you provide something like all this? I feel like the Holy Spirit keeps saying to me over and over and over daily bread. Like Mm -hmm. I'm giving you enough for today, which is. So interesting because it's partly this prayer, right? That I memorized growing up and the Lord is using that to speak back to me, which is Mm. fascinating. But on the other hand, I'm like, dude, daily bread is so good, but why can you not give me weekly bread or like, could we get monthly (laughs) bread maybe, or annual bread would be nice. Or lottery bread. Yeah. Lottery bread. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, So there's this sense in which it's like this really clear communication from God that I'm so thankful for. And I'm thankful for the daily like gift or or gifts, plural, that are coming over and over. And I'm also like, could it please not be this? And like, talk to me, help Hmm. me out here. (laughs) Why does it have to be daily bread? It doesn't also call you to pay attention to the things you can do today. I mean, that's part of what the daily bread does is if if you've only got enough for the day then you have to pick and choose your battles for yeah, that particular day. You have day. to be present for sure. The, well, yeah, well, yeah. you have to be present, but there's also, there's only so much you can do. Hmm. So like the, the, there's only so much you can handle in a particular day. So if, if what you're being provided for is, is the day you're in, then you get to, in some form of your own wisdom, like pick and choose where you apply your energies and then let go of the garbage you can't, or not even garbage, let go of the things, garbage or not, that you can't actually apply yourself to. Yeah. That's part of the call of daily bread is like, you've only got so much you for today. What can you honestly, wisely and well accomplish and do and deal with and carry today? And so if you're getting beat up by some website, which I saw some of that, I didn't know it was causing real problems. I'm really sorry about that. But like, I mean, 
real problems and the you know kind of school your schoolyard bully kind of problems like the kind where you that's feel real sad for i mean the person, you live online you know? too so that's that's real yeah. but like, it's emotional yeah, there's emotional, emotional there's emotional yeah weight yeah. to it for sure and so the question with that i mean if, if for those of us who live online and i mean like, <laughs> like there's only so much that you can deal with so you have to pick and choose that as well that's part of what that daily bread means right yeah yeah i think so that's helpful that's good well, it, we probably need to wrap up, but I'm, okay. I'm curious. I mean, just we asked you this sort of with your last book as well, but what do you have any specific like hopes or vision or goals for this book? Or are you just sort of like letting it free um, per, you know, d- Wayne and daily Garth? goals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I know that's like kind of a weird question, but uh, honest to God, um, I. I really do. So I've been pastoring a church for, uh, you know, over 20 years. I've been around like, um, a whole lot of people, um, who have like moved in and out of spaces in which they feel comfortable, um, and then uncomfortable and then present and at home and then lost uh, when it comes to the practice of faith and where they feel like they belong in relationship to the divine. Uh, like samesies as the last book to some degree, because they kind of came in the same, you know, same movement. Um, a lot of folks leaving uh, and venturing off into, you know, cultural or spiritual wilderness spaces. I want to provide a, like a snack to take, like, instead of saying like, instead of trying to figure out ways, how do we keep people from leaving the church? Like I, I'm done asking that question how do we get people back into the church? Like I'm done asking that question too. Like I'm instead like if God's up to something, part of what it looks like is people leaving church spaces. Okay. Um, and if that's the case, then as that's happening, how do I be part of the movement of God in the lives of people who are divorcing themselves and moving on from, from, uh, institutional traditional spaces of worship? Well, I want to write a book providing language and imagery for the practice of prayer specifically for folks to take and have wherever they are. So hopefully it works for people who live and function within institutional traditional spaces. I think it does. Hopefully it works and, uh, you know, has a home in the hearts of people who have divorced themselves from those same spaces. And I think it does. And hopefully it then forms a, a way for folks who live in and don't live in those same institutional spaces to have conversation about the thing that is more central than the space in which you worship, which is your connection to the divine. So that's, I know it's a really kind of convoluted way, but like I want oh, that's great. for the particular moment. Well, the book is called the Lord's prayer, right? No, no. God bless you. For, <laughs> but God bless you for trying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I called, mean, gold, uh, gold, gold it, star. It's called May It Be So, 40 Days 40 with days. the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Where can people find the actual title and learn more and can, uh, connect to with the Lord's online? Prayer.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that taken, by the way? I'm yeah. sure it is. Yes, it is. Um, so, yeah, you can find the book at Amazon. You can go to my preferred place if people want to buy books is you go to hearts and, uh, heartsandmindsbooks.com and my friend Byron sells books uh, from a wonderful bookstore in Dallas, Dallas Town, Pennsylvania. So if anyone's actually interested in 
buying the book and wants to know like where would the authors rather, well, this author would rather you buy a book from my friend Byron Borger at heartsandmindsbooks.com. You can find the book if you just go to 40dayprayerbook.com. There's a bunch of resources and pointers from there too, but uh, it's everywhere. And then Justin, your website is justinmcroberts.com. And tell yes. us a little bit about your podcast. The Atsy podcast. I just uh, had a really great conversation with um, uh, with Kirsten Powers from CNN about media and storytelling. Uh, and that's a lot of what I'm doing again. Same kind of directions with the books is like folks who are living and functioning to some degree outside of the expected uh, boundaries of the practice of religious faith, et cetera. Like what's it look like to do it over there? What's it look like to do over there? What's it look like for you to be faithful to a vision uh, of a world made whole as a CNN correspondent or an advocate or a songwriter or whatever? That's what I'm up to with the web, with the, uh, with the podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for Thank you. sharing that. Yeah. Uh, so as you know, toward the end of the show, we all share something that's fascinating us this week. You already shared something, but if you have I another, did. Justin, you're welcome to join us. Okay. Um, so let's, uh, JR, what do you got this week? Well, uh, Stephen King put out a new book uh, called The Institute, and hmm. it's fine. It's I would say it's like a three out of five star Stephen King book. Is it a novel but King or is, is it a collection of stories or what? It, it, no, it's a novel. Horror? Um, uh, it, it's more mystery thriller with supernatural elements. Um, it's more like a fantasy novel. Would you say it's more like a, it's like a fantasy novel almost. Uh, yeah. Like can set in the real it's world kind of fantasy. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's interesting. So you didn't love it, but it's fascinating you. Well, you know, a a three three out of five star Stephen King book is still better than most other fiction because well, he's just go. such a good writer. Yeah. So I would say this is like middle of the pack King, but I mean, I read the whole thing in less than a week, and I I still enjoyed it overall. It just it felt it felt pretty like standard for King at this point. Nothing really surprised me. Are you reading it, Justin, or did you read it? I read uh, a really interesting, in fact, a fascinating uh, <laughs> review of it uh, in which the, the author of the review was, was uh, what's the, he compared it to, there's that film genre, um, something surrealism that's like you're in the regular world, but then there are the, these elements. Magical realism? The, magical realism. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, what, I, that's, that's a good, it's basically, I mean, I can tell you this because it's, you learn this in the first several chapters of the book. It's this secret agency that is collecting kids who have small amounts of psychic abilities and they're running yes. experiments on them. And it's, you don't, you're in, you're in the perspective of the kids. So you don't know, is this a government agency or not? It, it feels like it is, but how are they kidnapping all these kids and getting away with it in the United States? And what are the tests for? What's the goal of these tests? Why is this happening? None of them have like particularly strong abilities. Like even if they're telekinetic, they can like move a piece of paper and that's about it. If they're mm -hmm. telepathic, they can like sense an emotion maybe, but that's it. Like, like no one has like even functionally useful powers. So like what, 
what is this and why is this happening? And then, of course, the kids are terrified because yeah. they've been taken from their homes. Um, they're sure they're being lied to, that everything's going to be okay, but they just don't know what's happening, right? Huh. So, again, like, it's yeah. it's fine as King goes, but King, like, average King is still better than average. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, cool. The Institute. All right. The Institute by Stephen King. That sounds good. Clay, what do you got going on? Man... Besides work, all I'm interested in is leisurely the return of the NHL. Nobody here cares. What is no, what is an don't. NHL? True. That's very Hockey good. is back. Oh, okay. Um, Clay, I, <laughs> you know, uh, my daughter Allie is now living in Pittsburgh where Clay grew up, and she went Uh-oh. to her first hockey game, Ooh. and she loved it. She sent me like so many pictures from it. And like she's having so much fun with her friends and like cheering and doing the whole thing. So she's a fan, Clay. Well, it is the best live sport you can attend to watch. <laughs> well, there you go. She's never shown any interest in I've, live sport. I've heard of that outside from of hockey so. fans. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we know so many. <laughs> Just Clay. There, there are dozens of us. This is why yeah, I love working awesome. in Canada. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, I got to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame on my uh, recent trip to oh, Toronto. At the end of a work nice. trip, I got to sneak over and lug my suitcase around the Hall of Fame, and that was fun, too. So, I heard they recently expanded that to three rooms. Is that true? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, JR. You don't even know it's there. Oh. No one does. I mean... Fuck <laughs> you. Oh. Getting spicy. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> No one cares, um, but I do. <laughs> Actually, Clay, there are a lot of hockey fans in Dallas, as you know, which surprised me because we don't have ice here. We yeah. like having diversity in the fascinating podcast. And what's fascinating is there might be people who want to check hockey out. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. Yes. You yeah. know what they say is, what do you call three non-hockey fans with a microphone? A podcast. So mm. oh, it's good true. that we have hockey fans that. in. Good. Yeah. Well, those, Dallas yeah. does indeed have the Winter Classic game on New Year's Day. That's a Ooh, that's man. a big event, and everybody's curious as to how an outdoor game in Dallas will work since it is mm. played on said ice. But uh, yeah, outdoors, it should. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a big year for the market here in Dallas. The team's going to be doing well, and there's this big uh, national event. The Stars. Yeah, Stars will be really didn't, popular. Didn't. Um... Dirk just retired, right? So he's not playing this year? That's right. Oh, That's an NBA reference, Matt. Oh, okay. Sorry. That was an NBA reference? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a nice hit. <laughs> this is, you know, anytime they talk about a Hall of Fame for sports people, I'm like, my definition of fame is I've heard of you. So mm. those places. Dirk's, Dirk's, a pretty, Dirk's a pretty big name as names go for sports. As big as Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you so. You retired, right? You, Who? You know, retired? Who, Dirk? Okay. <laughs> both of them they're both, both of them actually yeah. yeah that is accurate <laughs> kathy what do you got for us this week all right well i'm going to bring it back uh to serious like mm. real things mm. oh i was serious and, you can try yeah i know you were but <sighs> anywho uh yeah i, I can't just, wait to hear about this book kathy yeah i finished know my name by chanel miller mm. and uh she was known to many, um, maybe not even as Emily Doe, but she was the woman found um, and uh, sexually assaulted by... Um, oh, the frat boy? Yeah, the, yes, yep. the Stanford yeah. swimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, wow. 
Yeah, and um, she is biracial, and that was also part of uh, her story that she writes about the erasure, the uh, the assumption that many of us had that she was a white woman and Mm. how that Mm. changed or may have played into. And then all of our assumptions, our meaning, you know, society and culture, assumptions around um, uh, what women deserve (laughs) for their behavior. Wow. And uh, so I remember this case. I remember all of the mugshots and all of the talk about, you know, him, the swimmer, yeah. and 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 just being so furious. And you know, I don't know if my boys remember just my harping on them, like, "Don't you ever, <laughs> you know, consent." Yeah. And yeah. Um, and and at the same time, uh, having a, a daughter who is the oldest of the children, and when we sent her off to college, telling her things like. Never, um, never take a drink in a solo cup, (laughs) you know, like if you're at a party and, and things like that, where you're like, oh my God, this is such a crazy world. So she wrote this book. She is a beautiful writer and, uh, and, and it is definitely a difficult book to read. Mm -hmm. Um, and for listeners, who are thinking about reading and if you are, if you have um, survived an assault, a sexual assault, violence at the hands of a partner or a stranger, like this is a hard read. Um, And so I read it with the lights on and, um, but I could not put it down. Mm. It just is beautiful. And she's also funny and poignant and I think when I tweeted about it, I just said, I think this is required reading for freshmen as they're coming into college. Mm. And I think it should be required reading for folks who are in student affairs <laughs> and folks who work with college students because it does make you check your biases and your assumptions about who deserves what, whether it's justice or who deserves to be assaulted? You know, like, why was she at a party? Why was she drinking? How could you be yeah. so, you know, all of that, all of that. And so it just was a great book. Wow. Hmm. Uh, thanks for sharing, Kathy. So that's mm-hmm. know, by, know My Name. It's called, know right? My name. By yep. Chanel Miller. There's a great write-up about it, for especially for folks who might be a little hesitant to get into it. The write-up at The Atlantic is powerful. Yes, yes. Really good. Um, Justin, you've shared multiple things you're fascinated by, but do you have another? Oh, yeah, all the time. So uh, uh, Apple dropped their Apple card, and I'm fascinated by that. What is as that? A move. It's a credit card that, that oh. it's like linked to Apple, and it's not it's not a bank. This whole thing is like a, a new credit card idea, and so I'm I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. Like, who's going to use that, and how's it going to work, and what kinds of problems? New you're credit card idea? Do? What I don't understand. What does it do? I don't really totally get it yet either. So that's why I'm fascinated by it. It's like they they have dropped this thing. It's just called Apple Card. It is a credit card you can use to buy anything. and But instead of it being tied to a bank bank, it's tied to and through Apple. Oh, which is, to a corporation. I mean, a different type of corporation. Yes. Interesting. Yes. But it probably so is so, a closed system and it only works on special Apple 
credit card readers. So you can't I actually don't, use it helpfully. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. That's just no, he's, he, he's ripping Apple right now. It's just a theory. Yeah, Only at Apple stores. He's trying to, he's trying to count, he's trying to count amounts all the hockey garbage. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. And then, um, and then the other, the other thing is like, I don't know if you guys paid attention to the cell this morning, but Bernie Sanders. Yes. Uh, having like, a credit card yes. problem. Two stents, right? Oh no. Uh, well, no, but like he's, they canceled events starting no, this week. Because of two stents. Because of the two, yes. Because of the two stents. Yes. Yeah. And, wow. and not only is that fascinating for him, it's going to be fascinating for the Democratic run of really over the next couple of weeks. Um, like yeah, what's that I mean, going to mean? Is, is that, is that's basically about, a disqualifier, you think? I, well, that's what I mean. I, I don't know. It's like it's not like we didn't know he was almost 80. Like I mean, but he's going up against our healthiest president we've ever had. That's my <laughs> understanding. Health, health v. Health. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Wow. But that's, that'll okay. be, that'll that's be, interesting. That'll be that very yet. fascinating. Um, mine's a, uh, mine's a comic series called, I think it might be a limited series. Actually, I haven't hit the end yet. It's called grass Kings. It's written by a guy named Matt Kent, who's written a lot of interesting stuff and the arts by a guy named Peter Panzer Faust. Uh, and the art is beautiful. It's like, um, it's all watercolor based. Whoa. Um, but the, the basic story is there are three brothers who essentially run a kingdom that in a, a trailer park. And so these are people who are, most of them are impoverished, have come from trauma of some sort. They oversee this community. And it's more than just like they're influential. They really are like almost like the kings of this area. And uh, they kind of, when things slip into criminal, not just criminal behavior, but criminal behavior against their people, it kind of shifts into this rural mystery story. Um, and you know, their connection to the, the first actual law person, which is in town a ways off, you know, things like this. So, uh, pretty fascinating, interesting exploration of poverty, uh, of primarily white culture, white poverty, um, in this rural setting. Uh, and, and it's just a good story also, and it's printed in a larger than typical size for a comic. So it's, hmm. uh, really beautiful to look at the art too. So pretty fascinating called grass Kings. You, you might cool. check it out. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, that has been our episode for this week. Our guest has been Justin McRoberts. Uh, his new book again is called may it be so 40 days with the Lord's prayer. Justin, thanks for being back on with us and thanks for this new book as well. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week with another great episode until then take care of yourselves and make sure uh, you let us know what you're into, and what we should be fascinated by this week as well. And uh, grace and peace be with you. Mm-hmm.